Well, I appreciate that this morning, don't you? Thank God for Calvary. I, that ought to be the theme of every song and every message that's preached and the motive of every one of our hearts this morning is the cross of Calvary. Amen. I praise the Lord for that. If you'll stand with us and turn to the book of Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter number 2. And again, we want to thank all you visitors for being here. We hope you will stay with us for our fellowship and food right after the service this morning. And uh, you know, this is a time of year when we celebrate the birth of Christ. But had there not been a cross that they sung about, then the birth wouldn't have meant anything to us. Amen. And so Jesus was born to die. And he came into this world uh, not to just be a babe in a manger, but he came to be a sacrificial lamb. Well, I appreciate uh, the good spirit-filled singing this morning and what God's already done for us. Luke chapter number 2, if you'll look with us in verse number 1, and we'll read this passage of Scripture and then you can be, and have prayer and you can be seated. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there that the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because... There was no room for them in the end. Let's bow and go to God in prayer, then you can be seated. Our precious Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence this morning once again, we come to the throne of grace and mercy in Jesus' name, that name that is above every name. God, we want to thank you that your name is high, your name is holy, and God, that you're more, to, you're altogether lovely, you're fairer than ten thousands, you're the sweet rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. God, we magnify you and we glorify you this morning. I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word, speak to our hearts. God, help us to open our hearts and receive with meekness the engrafted word. I pray you'll save the lost and reclaim the backslid. God, help us to be sensitive this morning, to be willing and obedient, to do whatever the Spirit of God bids us to do. Bless the invitation hour, bless the food to the nourishment of our body, and may all that will be done be done for the glory and the honor of God. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to draw your attention to verse number 7 here in just a moment. And I want to preach on this subject this morning on the message in the manger. The message that's in the manger. And when I think about this text this morning here uh, in verse number 7 here, there's a lot of things that Luke will talk about and there's a lot of things that Luke emphasizes. Three things in particular and one of them we'll deal with this morning. First of all, uh, Luke deals with and he emphasizes this taxation. He says in verse number 1 that it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now I just want to stop and say this. It's always has been and all always will be taxing to live in this world until Jesus comes again. And I'm not just talking about a financial tax, but I'm talking about in every way possible, it taxes us spiritually, physically, and financially to live in a world that has been cursed with sin. But Luke emphasizes this taxation. And the reason for that is because the Bible says in verse number one that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now, this taxation is important.
important uh, because it talks about the providence that surrounded uh, Mary and Joseph and the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, this is not an accident. This is not a coincidence, but this is the providential hand of God working in the life of our Lord. And I want to stop and say this morning, I'm glad that God's providential hand still works in our life. Amen. If you study this verse, you'll find that uh, that Caesar Augustus was the grandnephew of Julius Caesar. And whenever Julius Caesar died, uh, a little bit later, his, uh, his rivalry, Mark Anthony died, he committed suicide. And then Caesar Augustus came on the scene and he made this, this declaration or this decree that all the world should be taxed. But notice what the Bible says in verse number two. The Bible said that this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. So Caesar Augustus comes on the scene and he announces that all the world is going to be taxed. Now what this means is, is that Rome has declared that everybody, every Jewish male and everybody else is going to have to go back to the city that they were born in and they're going to have to do a census every 14 years that is and they have to give their name, their occupation, uh, they have to give their location of where they lived and their lineage and even their family, all the names and everything. And so what does all this mean? Well, Caesar Augustus makes this announcement, but it's 10 years before this taxation ever even comes into play. The Bible says that, that this taxation was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. You say, Brother Gravely, what has all that got to do uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm going to tell you what it has to do. Jesus was in Nazareth, or, or Joseph what rather was in Nazareth. But the Bible says in Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2 that he wouldn't be born in Nazareth. He was going to be born in Bethlehem. Amen? And so a nine months has went by and Jesus is about to be born but he's down in Nazareth with Mary and Joseph with the providential hand of God using a leader that does not even know God using a decree that's not even going to come to pass for ten years later Jesus was ten years old when Cyrenius was governor of Syria and this taxation was first made. So what does all this mean? It means there's an unseen hand that was working. It means that God's providence will never fail. That God had no problem that he knew before anybody else did and he can use anybody even a wicked governor and king uh, to bring his uh, will to pass and he brings Joseph has to come up. He has to go back to Bethlehem because the Bible says in verse number 4 that he was of the house and the lineage of David. Amen. Now you think about this this morning. I'm talking about this taxation had to do with the providential hand of God. You see Jesus was born of a virgin. Can I get a witness right there? That means that he was born of the flesh of his mother, but he didn't have the blood of his earthly father in him. Is that right? That Jesus was born with the flesh of a man, but he had the blood of God running through his veins. That's what made him the sinless sacrifice for our sins this morning. Amen. So he's not of the, so Jesus, in order to sit on the throne of David, he couldn't have the blood of man uh, in his veins. He had to have the blood of God, but he had to be of the house of David, of the lineage of David. And so Joseph goes up from Nazareth to Bethlehem. He does the census. Uh, he fills out his report. He gives his name. He gives the name of Mary, and he gives the name of this born, of this baby that was born in that manger by the name of Jesus. Uh, that gave Jesus 
us every right to sit on the throne of David during that millennial time. Amen. He's going to sit on that throne, number one, because he's God and he's worthy. Amen. But you know what? Jesus doesn't do anything illegal. Amen. To sit on that throne means he had to be of the lineage of David. And I'm going to tell you, friend, before Calvary ever came into view, before you and I was ever born, God's providential hand used a taxation to get Joseph where he needed to be and to get Jesus in the record book so that it'll already be recorded that he is the son of David. He is more than qualified to sit on the throne when he comes again. Now that may not do a whole lot for you this morning, but I'm looking for Jesus to come. Amen? And it's not going to be very long until he sits on that throne and he rules this earth with a rod of iron. Amen? And so Luke emphasizes the taxation and then he emphasizes the travel. Notice that he said here in verse number four that Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was the house and the lineage of David to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife being great with child and so it was that while they were there the days were accomplished that she should be delivered so Luke emphasizes this taxation but he also emphasizes the traveling because they've got to go from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem and friend I want to tell you something this represents the problems that surrounded them even though the providential hand of God was surrounding them life for them was not without its problems and I want to tell you this morning a lot of times we get saved and we feel like we're just going to coast through life sometimes we think we're going to go through life without any problems but the Bible says that it rains on the just and on the unjust I'm telling you just because you and I are born again doesn't mean we're going to live a problem free life amen but isn't it good to know that the hand of God is with you amen I'm telling you Mary and Joseph uh, they encountered some problems here they encountered the problems of this mother's condition the Bible says in verse number 5 that she was great with child that means in Georgia language she was about to pop amen I mean she was to the place uh, uh, she is about to give birth uh, and can you imagine making that uh, uh, travel during that time uh, uh, my friend whenever that she was about to give birth and there was problems with, uh, uh, with the mother's condition there was problems with all the masses that was in the city can you imagine all the, the crowds that was coming in in so much that the Bible said there was no room for them in the end I mean listen life is not without problems uh, but God is always bigger than our problems this morning you see you may be here this morning and say preacher I, I've got problems yes but I know a God that's bigger than your problem and if you're willing to trust the unseen hand and if you're willing to live for God this morning, I'm telling you, God will not take away all the problems of life, but he'll do just what he did for them. He'll see you through your problems, amen. And so Luke emphasizes the taxation. He emphasizes their traveling. But I want you to notice verse seven this morning. He emphasizes this trough, amen, this manger. The Bible said that she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And notice this, the Bible said that she laid him in a manger. When you think about this manger this morning, a lot of times, and, and we'll have our uh, Christmas celebration that night, and, the, and of course we'll have a manger scene up here, but it won't be like the manger that they had back then. 
Many times we see a manger scene and it's a little wooden frame that a little baby Jesus is laid down in. But a manger back in those days was nothing more than just a trough. It was about three foot high and about two foot wide and about three foot long. And it was just a piece of stone that had been hewn out. And it was there that they would put uh, the, the food for the animals and that was the trough. And when you think about a trough this morning, you think, well, what in the world has a trough got to do with you and I? What kind of a message uh, can be in this manger. Well, I want to say this morning, even though this trough was not a person, it was an object, it is still a type this morning. You see, this trough was a type of a sinner. When you look into this trough and you think about this trough, it's a picture of you and I. You say, what do you mean? Well, number one, it was lifeless, amen? There's no life in a trough. Can I get a witness right there? And when I look in a trough, I think about how that, that manger was lifeless just like every sinner that does does not know God. That, that manger had no life in it. And the Bible said in Ephesians chapter number two and verse number one, and ye being dead, who and ye who were and ye being quickened, who were dead in your trespasses and sin. Hey, that word quickened, friend, means to be made alive. Amen. And there was a time when I was a walking dead man. There was a time, Brother George, when you was a walking dead man. We didn't know God. Sin had God had generated a man in the Garden of Eden, but because of sin. Sin had degenerated man. Jesus came along and went to Calvary, poured out his lifeblood so that man that was once generated and now degenerated could be regenerated again. And thank God that's what we were before we got saved. We was just like this manger. We had no life within us. But thank God one day I fell on my knees. I bowed my head and when I knelt, thank God the blood fell. And I'm glad that life came on the inside. And brother, they somebody living inside of me and if you're saved there's somebody living inside of you and thank God oh what a difference this morning when Jesus passes by amen and so this manger is a type in the fact that it was lifeless I want to say this manger is a type in the fact that it was filthy amen when you think about what they put in this manger it was just the scraps the leftovers it was the slop. It, it was the what no one would, would want. They didn't clean a manger very well because they wasn't feeding a, hu a human. They was feeding an animal, amen? And when you think about the filth of a manger, when you think about the disease, when you think about all of the, all of the grit and the grime that was in that manger, is that not a picture of us, amen? Before we got saved, listen, the Bible teaches us that we were filthy, that all of our righteousness is filthy rags, the Bible says. Had it not been for Calvary, had it not been for Jesus, amen, every one of us would have died in our sins and went to hell. You see, friend, if you get saved, you've got to see yourself filthy and lost without God. This manger, my friend, was filthy. This manger, just like every sinner, you might be here this morning and say, preacher, you don't know the things I've done, the life I've lived, and that's true, but God knows this morning. You may be here and you may have wrecked and ruined your life beyond what you think would be repaired. But I want to tell you this morning, Jesus Christ can take the broken pieces of your life and he can put them back together again. Just like Brother Allen mentioned that woman uh, that was caught in the very act of adultery this morning as he was talking in Sunday school. That woman was filthy and she was vile. She lived a wicked life. She was known as a woman of the streets and a woman of the night. And her accusers brought her before Jesus because they just knew 
that is holy and as righteous as he was, that surely she would be condemned to die. The law even said that she was condemned to die. But I want to tell you something, Christ has a way of not, listen, he didn't do away with the law, but thank God he fulfilled it before their very eyes. Uh, my friend, he didn't, listen, lower his standard of holiness, uh, but at the same time, he looked at them, and as Brother Allen said this morning in the scriptures, uh, he said, he that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. And the Bible says they all walked away. But did you realize this? I thought about it while you was teaching. The only one that could have condemned her was still standing in front of her. The one that was qualified to put her into hell. The one that was qualified to open the very earth up and swallow her down in the bowels of hell was standing before her. But he looked at her and with love and compassion and with mercy and with grace and with kindness, he looked at her and he said, woman, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. I believe she got up a new woman. Amen. I believe she got up clean. She got up, my friend, justified. She got up, thank God, redeemed. And she didn't sin no more because she didn't want to sin no more. Amen. I'm telling you, when Jesus saves you, he'll change the want to in you, friend. And a woman that was so filthy was made clean in his presence. Oh, this manger is a type in the fact that it represents, uh, it shows us, my friend, that it was lifeless. It was, it was filthy. And then I want to say also, this manger was cold and it was hard. You know, that's how sinners are before they meet Jesus Christ. Cold and hard. Uh, somebody was telling me the other day, Brother Barnes, it might have been you that was telling me this about this little girl getting saved. And uh, said that when she got saved, was this you telling me this? Said when she got saved, said but she said up to that point, said she was always frowning and sour. You know, I met a lot of people like that, hadn't you? They come to church and they look like their they look like their mother in law moved in with them, you know, or their daddy in law or whoever you want to use. They look miserable. You know, if you're saved, salvation will at least put a smile on your face. Ain't that right? And I look at so, there's a lot of long faces. And he was talking about this little girl, how, how miserable she looked. But after she got saved, said for the next week, that revival, she's just smiling and happy. You say, what happened to her? That's what Jesus does, amen? He takes the misery out and he puts joy and he puts gladness on the inside. Is that not what the angel said? That we bring to you glad tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. I want to tell you something. The joy of the Lord is our strength this morning. And when Christ moves in, he'll put joy on the inside. You won't be cold and you won't be hard. I'm telling you, we've all seen God save an old rough sinner, an old cold-hearted sinner. But I'm telling you, when he gets a hold of their heart, he'll just melt them like butter. I'm telling you, friend, they'll become tender in the eyes of God, in the eyes of man. Oh, what a difference when Jesus passes by. And I'm telling you, this manger was cold and hard. You may be here this morning cold and hard. And you may even be saved. And bitterness and problems of life You've allowed them to make you cold and hard. You know what you need this morning? You need to come back and get right with God today. Right. Amen. Right. Well, you, you may be saved, but a backslider, when they get away from God, they'll get cold and hard, just like this manger. But I'm glad that Christ knows how to warm the heart. And this manger, my friend, was not only a type in the fact that it was cold and hard, but it was a type in the fact that it was empty. When you think about this manger, when Mary and Joseph comes and they're in, the, they're in this setting, in this scenery here, and this manger is here, there's nothing in this manger worth anything. 
You think about before Christ met us, there was nothing in us worth anything. I think sometimes we need to be reminded of what Jesus said in John chapter 15, that without me, you can do nothing. The word of God said, if a man think of himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself and the truth is not him. I'm telling you what I am this morning. I'm nothing outside the grace of God. God doesn't need me. God, God doesn't have to use me. He doesn't need any of us this morning, but I'm glad that he saved us. Amen. I'm glad he gave us a good church to go to. I'm glad he gave us a good family to be a part of. I'm glad he put his spirit on the inside of us. I'm glad he gave us a copy of the truth to read and understand, a guide map and a, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I'm glad that God has given us what we need in this life to make it. He's a good God, isn't he, this morning? And I'm glad he loves his children. And he cares for his children. He said that the, the grass of the field, God clothes the grass of the field. And he said tomorrow is put in the ovens and the birds and the, and the fowls of the air. He feeds them. And if God will take care of them, he said, how much more shall your heavenly father care for you this morning? I'm glad I serve a God that not just loves me and saved me, but he'll take care of me. Amen. And if you're here this morning and your life is empty and you've tried everything, you don't need to try Jesus. You need to trust Jesus this morning. And I see that this manger was empty. It was filthy. It was lifeless. But I'll tell you something else. It was insignificant. Do you know the only reason this manger's in the Bible is because Jesus laid in it? Amen. This manger is of absolutely no value, Brother George. There's been a lot of mangers built and a lot of them erected and used and never mentioned in the Bible. But this manger is so mentioned that we don't have a Christmas story without the manger. When there's a play that goes on, you know what? The main attraction, it's not the wise men, it's not the shepherds, and it's not the animals. If they're going to turn the spotlight on, you know where they're going to put the spotlight? They're going to put it on the manger. Amen? You know why? Because the manger's not important in itself, but it's what's inside the manger that makes the manger so important. I'm going to tell you, when I think about this earthen vessel this morning, there's not anything significant about this. There's not anything significant about you. The only thing that makes us significant this morning is what's on the inside of us. Amen. You say what was inside that manger? I'm going to tell you what was inside that manger. It was the bread of life. Amen. I'm telling you all that manger had held before Brother Brian was a bunch of scraps uh, was a bunch of old bread that had been cast away and thrown in. But on this day it got cleaned up. Everything else got moved out and the heavenly bread uh, the heavenly manna, the bread of life was put on the inside and it made it significant. I'm telling you, I'm glad one day that God cleaned out the filthiness of my soul. I'm glad he took out the ruins of life. And thank, man, I do feel like preaching now. On the inside, he put the bread of life that gave great significance in my life. Amen. And this manger this morning is a type. And then I want to say also this morning, this manger is a tool. Amen. God used this manger to hold the bread of life. You know, the Bible said in the book of Corinthians that we have in this treasure, in this, or we have in this earthen vessel, we have this treasure in this earthen vessel. You know what that treasure is? It's the gospel. You and I are God's vessels, just like this manger. This manger may not have looked like much to the world, and it may have been used for a lot of other things, but on this day, it was used to hold the very gospel itself.
The gospel was placed in this manger and this manger became a tool that now when you read the word of God and the Bible says she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and she laid him in a manger, all of a sudden we see this manger in a different light. We don't see its filthiness. We don't see that it's lifeless. We don't see that it was cold and hard. What we see about the manger is that when you mention the manger at Christmas time, people don't think about slop. They think about the baby Jesus, don't they? Because the manger is the tool that held the gospel that treasure of earth was put in that earthen vessel. I'm glad that when you and I got saved, we got sealed with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm glad that thank God in this earthen vessel we're a tool now and we're to carry the gospel. We are to witness to everybody we come in contact with. We should hand out tracts to everybody that we come in contact with. We ought to see ourselves, uh, uh, listen, not as, a, not as a blue collar worker or not as an office desk worker. We ought to see ourselves as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ every day giving out the gospel to those that we come in contact with because we're the tool that God will use to carry the gospel to a lost and dying world. Do you realize that God could have used angels and they would have done a tremendous job? God could have done it himself, but he chose to use men that have been saved. This, angel, this, this manger is a tool. This manger is a type. And then I want to close with this thought this morning. This manger is a testimony. Because it reveals two things. This manger reveals the poverty of Christ and the person of Christ. When you look in that manger, you have to realize that he, through his, through his, his poverty, here he through his riches became poor, that we through his poverty, the Bible says, might be made rich. When Jesus came to this world, he could have came any way he wanted to. He could have came like Moses and he could have through the providence of God, he could have spent his, his youth in a palace. He could have spent his, his life at ease, but Jesus didn't do that. It would have just for Christ himself to, to leave the portals of glory and the very throne of God, to, to leave that and to come to this world and to be, uh, listen, to be wrapped up in sinful flesh or be wrapped up in flesh, not sinful flesh, but to be wrapped up in flesh and, and become a man. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter two and verse number nine that, that we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, that for the suffering of death, uh, the Bible says he was crowned with glory and honor that he should taste death or that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Now you think about that this morning. For Jesus to become a man. For him to, to become so small as a seed and to be planted in the womb of a, of a virgin and to be born through the, through the natural uh, birth of life and then to come forth uh, as a little child and, and to grow up as a child and to allow himself to be limited in his wisdom. As the Bible said that he grew in wisdom and in stature he allowed himself to go through the whole growth process. Uh, boy what humility to just become a man the Lord had to go through. And he didn't just become any man, but he became a poor man. Jesus wasn't a ruler. He didn't become a scribe or a Pharisee. He became a peasant. And the manger, when he was laid in a manger, the Bible said because there was no room for him in the inn, it spoke of the poverty. Jesus didn't even have a decent bed to lay his head in when he was a baby born. I think you, every mother here this morning would agree with this that the last place you'd want to lay your, that little soft head of that baby is in a hard, cold, stone manger. That's right. Amen. But Mary had nothing else. That's right. Can you imagine 
when she probably looked at Joseph and said, where are we going to lay the baby down so he can sleep? And they looked around and there was no place and this manger was here. Can you imagine taking the very, I'm talking about the very God that created them, the one that owns it all and laying him down in that manger. Well, that speaks of his poverty. Jesus said the foxes have holes and the fowls of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath no place to lay his head. Christ was poor from the beginning all the way through life. He never sought after riches. He never, listen, he never uh, used his own ability and power for his own self. Even the devil himself said, if you're the son of God, command these stones to be turned into bread. I'm talking about after 40 days of fasting and not eating, you know that Jesus was hungry, but yet he didn't use his own power, his own ability for his own self-gratification. You know what he did? He spent his whole life meeting the needs of others. He spent his whole life helping others. Uh, walked everywhere he went. Uh, listen, uh, was betrayed and, and my friend denied by his very own disciples uh, died like a criminal on the cross of Calvary but loved man enough that when he died didn't even have the clothes that was on his back. Uh, he died as a, uh, with two thieves uh, but I'm telling you the last thing Jesus said to a man uh, my friend that was hanging on that cross he said today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Amen. I'm telling you when I think about the son of God this morning brother Bobby I think about all the majesty and the glory that he left behind uh, and the great depths that he condescended to and he became flesh for us uh, that he that knew no sin might be that we might be made the righteousness of God in him and I'm telling you on the third day Christ came out of the grave victorious uh, he came out with the blood of his own uh, laid it on the mercy seat satisfied the altar in heaven uh, opened up a new way uh, my friend promised a better resurrection for every one of us that are saved uh, and he sat down at the right hand the throne of God of the majesty on high and the Bible said wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Amen. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know what people need to see during Christmas time? They need to see the person of Christ in us. The reason for the season isn't it isn't gifts and I'm not against that. You know that. But I'm telling you, this is a great opportunity for us to tell our friends and our families what Jesus did for us. You see, this morning there was a conception that took place with this birth. When you look at, when, when Mary came out and she told everybody that what the angel told her, I'm sure these people didn't believe her. But it didn't change the fact there was a conception on the inside. But hey, friend, nine months later, you know what was going to happen? There was a change. What was on the inside started growing and you could see it on the outside. And one day Christ came forward. And I'm going to tell you, that's what people need to see in us this morning. We can tell them that we're saved, but they don't see that conception. But I'll tell you what they can see. They can see the change in our life. I've used this illustration a lot of times. And Brother George, when you got saved, I wasn't sure if you saved. And he wasn't the only person, and I'm sure people may have thought that about me. But when George got saved, I just wasn't sure. And I don't doubt everybody's salvation, but, you know, when you've seen enough of them come cry crocodile tears and never come back, you wonder, did they really get it? Y'all with me this morning? But he didn't have nothing to prove to me. And when he got saved, you know what? I wasn't sure. I couldn't see the conception. But I'm going to tell you something. After a little while, I saw the change. What was on the inside 
started coming out on the outside. And I told my wife one day, I said, I believe that old boy got the goods. I believe he got saved. And have you ever seen somebody like that? They'd get saved and you'd say, boy, I hope they got saved. I think about my dad when he got saved. He'd been to the altar many times, wept and cried many times, but alcohol had such a shackle on him. And we'd pray and I'd get in the altar and pray with him many times and he'd beg God to save him, but never no change. But I'll tell you something. I remember when I called my mom one day and I said, you think daddy really got saved? She said, I believe he got saved this time. I said, why? She said, because he's a change. There's a difference in him. I want to ask you a question this morning. There been a change in your life. Is Christ in you this morning? I'm not talking about religion and I'm not talking about formality. I'm telling you, is there life on the inside of you? Have you been made clean? Are you empty this morning? If you're empty, you need Jesus. As we stand this morning, our heads are about eyes are closed. Christians are praying. I wonder if there's somebody here this morning. I don't know of a better time to get saved than this morning right here, right now. It's so important this morning that if you're here and you don't know Christ, now listen to me while the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart. Brother David's going to sing a verse of this song. And as he sings, if you're here this morning and you're lost, I want to encourage you to come this morning. I'll meet you in this altar. God will save you. While we sing, will you come?